Welcome to HR Latte, your connection to all things HR. Today's great HR department is foundational for today's successful business. Listen in as host Rayanne Thorne gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources. And now for your next cup of talent management, whipped to perfection. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to HR Latte. This is Ray Ann Thorne, and I'm continuing my series on harassment and assault prevention. We have a great guest that is going to be back with us again today, Lauren Rizal. Hey, Lauren, thanks for joining me once again. Thanks for having me so much. Can you give us just a brief overview of yourself, your work, and the experience that brings you to this topic? Sure. I'm the founder of Esteem, a communication consulting firm. For 26 years now, we've been working with the sole purpose of empowering people to walk through the world with less fear and more confidence. We do that by providing harassment and assault prevention trainings through companies, organizations, colleges, middle schools, high schools, wherever I can get a group together, we'll come. Great. So you are indeed an expert, have a lot of resources. Can you just give out your the URL for your website real quick so folks can tap into that when needed? Sure. www.esteemcommunication.org. Great. And this will also be listed in the body or the bio part for this uh, broadcast. Again, really appreciate you talking about this topic. It's it's such a serious issue today. And you know why? Because I think people feel empowered to talk about it. So what I'd love to do, Lauren, is to have you just tell us some statistics out there. And, and I'm going to preface this with a lightweight, informal poll that I did after our show um, that we did just a couple of days ago on this very topic. I had issued some excitement about being able to talk about this topic openly, about sharing my own experiences. And I just put a quick question out on a Facebook post asking if anybody had ever experienced sexual harassment in the workplace. And I, I know you even sent me a private comment, kind of shocked by the responses. Uh, I probably had about a 100 responses back. And I would say virtually 9.5 out of 10. So about 95 out of 100 responses were, yes, I've experienced sexual harassment in the workplace. And one of the stats that I cited in that that post initially was that one in three women. So I know that you actually said, so this is an informal post and I have to or inform a poll. And so that means not everybody was willing to answer. And I have to tell you, somebody stopped me yesterday and said, I want to answer your poll, but I didn't want to answer there. Yes, it happened to me. So maybe it's more than we think. Maybe people don't feel empowered or right about ratting someone out if they don't feel like maybe it wasn't sexual harassment. So what do you think about, I know that you were shocked. I was, frankly, I was shocked. And whenever, and by the time it got toward the end of this poll, this informal poll that I was conducting. Whenever anybody said no, I was surprised, right? So if somebody said, no, I've not experienced sexual harassment, I would respond with, really? Really? Come on. Really? Are you sure? (laughs) So what do you think about all this? Well, I think that one of the things we want to point out is when you do an informal poll, you're not going to get totally accurate numbers because you're going to have people who feel closer to that topic or feel more passionately about that topic are going to be more likely to respond one way or the other. So that's part of it. But I think you're bringing up another point, which is that some people, if it's not anonymous, still don't want to say something because there's such discomfort and sometimes even embarrassment, or they think 
guilt or shame that's connected to that situation. So those two things kind of balance each other out. And I would say based on, you know, the people on your poll, yeah, we're looking at more than one in three. And and then a lot of those people that responded who, ha- yes, were also men. Yes, they were men. So, and, and so if I look at the women versus the men, it was probably about nine and a half times out of 10 women said yes. And it was probably half, yeah. half as many, five out of 10, you know, one out of two, one out of every two per men that responded, responded right. with yes. Yeah. So, and, and then I had other friends that said, yes, it, a, a woman has actually, a woman, a female said a woman had sexually harassed her. Mm-hmm. So, or had made her feel uncomfortable or had used her gender in a way that was inappropriate. Yeah. These are the kind of situations that people don't normally think about that are happening. And then if they happen to them, they're like, well, I can't say anything about that because this doesn't happen. You know, women don't harass other women or for men. Oh my gosh, I can't say anything about this because. I'm going to be too embarrassed because men don't get harassed. Well, absolutely. Everyone. Yeah. And we're going to have to, at the second half of the show, we're going to talk about something that happened to me recently. And then the the responses that I received were just incredible. But before we get into that, I would love for you to share with my audience, just let's start talking stats. Let's just start talking about what you have learned through your work and through your experience about what is actually taking place in the workplace when we talk about sexual harassment. Well, you mentioned one of the stats, which is always astounding to people, that that one in three women have actually been the victim of some type of sexual harassment in the workplace. Some of the more recent stats that have come out that I think will even be more shocking, you know, in the news right now, we're hearing all about the tech industry and all the harassment that's been happening there. And there was actually a study done a couple of years ago before this was all kind of hitting the news that was focused just on those women. They, they It's called the elephant in the valley was the, the name okay. of study. And they pulled 210 women in the tech industry. And rather than it being one in three of them who had been targeted, it was 60%. Yeah, 60% of those women had had some kind of unwanted sexual advance. And then when you look at that 60%, 65% of those women had had it happen more than once from the same person. From the same person? Yes. Wow. Yes. And then one in three of them had felt afraid of their personal safety because of work-related circumstances. So that that gets into something we're going to maybe talk about later. But I think that's an important. That's really that's really scary, right? Um, I can I can think of one experience I had many 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 years ago where I had been approached, and when I said no more, I was told you better not say anything because I have more to lose than you. So I wonder how many women have never said anything because of mild threats like that or or have witnessed it and haven't said anything because, you know, the 60% stat came from women that said it happened to them. But how many of those women saw it happen to others? Maybe even to men. And they were uncomfortable, too uncomfortable to say anything. Yeah, this is where it's so important that we work together as a community, whether it's in your, within your workplace or out in the world, when you, that whole, co- you know, I know you've heard this a million times when you see something, say something when it's talking about. Yeah, it's, sure. I think it's really true here because, you know, in this other study that we were just talking about in the tech industry, 39% of the people who were harassed did nothing because they thought it would negatively impact their career. So that kind of falls into what you were just saying about what that woman said. And that is a big threat for a lot of people. And unless you have an organization that's saying, we care about this issue. This is unacceptable. 
and we're going to address it appropriately. And, then the, and they're open about saying it. It's not buried at the bottom of a handbook. It's you know, not right. section 5.243. You know, right. it's actually something that is part of what the leadership team is letting everybody know. Hey, this is not acceptable behavior. We're not going to tolerate it. If you need to know more, come visit us here, read this, participate in this class, take this yeah. workshop, right? right. Um, there has it, go ahead. Go ahead, Lauren. So yeah, you made the comment that, you know, it can't be like a process that's buried somewhere and no one knows what the protocol right. is, right? We need to have it very clear. Where Who do we talk to? What's the chain of command? Who's going to address this situation? Do we have a, a key person in HR that I'm supposed to go to? Do I have a, a manager that I'm supposed to go to so that people know there's a protocol and I can follow it and this will be addressed professionally and appropriately? So are we in a place, I mean, when we consider the elephant in the valley, which is obviously a play off of the, you know, the old statement the elephant in the room means something's big in there, but we're just avoiding it. We're not talking about it. Correct. Um, are we in a place now where we can actually talk more about this and expect different results? Or is it something that is still going to, I'm, I'm just shocked at these younger, energetic companies that are facing issues like that. I, I, I can't even, I don't get it. I don't get it because I, I mentioned in our last episode, our last conversation, Lauren, about the good old boys club, right? Mm-hmm. And it is alive and well in these young, vibrant, innovative companies. And I'm, I'm dumbfounded by it. Is it because of that? We mentioned this too. Is it because of that casual atmosphere? Yes, that is part of it. But part of it is also when you have any Workplace that is male dominated, where you have such a, a high proportion of the employees, especially management that are men, that's when this is going to be troubling, regardless of the age of the company or the age of the typical management. And it doesn't matter how smart they are, apparently. <laughs> no, no, but here's something that is different than before. And then there have been women who have been speaking out over the years. Right. So the, you know, I don't want to dismiss the fact that there have been a lot of women who have come forward with their complaints, even in a Silicon Valley, right? But what's different now is there's a there's a new level of consequence and level of power of the people that are being held to account, right? So now you're seeing CEOs step down and you're seeing board members step down and forced out, right? They're, yeah, they're forced and that's, out. That's very different from what we've seen in the past. And that you can also look at some of the, like Fox News. That was huge. Exactly, that was huge. Right? That you have uh, Bill O'Reilly having to right. walk away the big rainmaker. So that's going to empower more people to go, okay, now things are actually going to be, and again, it's not that people are always wanting someone to be fired. That's not why someone comes forward with a complaint. They come forward with a complaint because they don't want to have to go to work and deal with that behavior, right? Yeah. I also also want to make a statement. You know, it's obviously happened to me. It's not anything new. Has it happened to you, Lauren? Yes. Okay. So sexual harassment in the workplace is really nothing new. You know, my, I, I can probably cite my first experience when I was 16, 17 years old, right? But as I've aged and grown up, I, I think I had, I developed this thick skin where I said, that's just how it is. And at some point I came to a place where I didn't even notice anymore. I brushed it off and ignored it. That's not the right response either, because that doesn't change behavior. It doesn't help somebody else who doesn't have the same thick skin that I do or can brush it off or handle herself. I'm a, I'm a sassy, smart woman who um, doesn't, you know, d- that kind of stuff doesn't crackle me anymore. 
So how can I, if you have any tactics for me personally, because now I have new experiences that we're going to talk about in a moment, how can I kind of let go of that tough exterior that's actually protected me and help me to protect others? Well, I'm going to point to the fact that you have daughters. Yep. And I want you to think about how you would want them to respond and, and what you want them to have to put up with or not put up with. And if you put them in that position, anytime something's happening to you, I guarantee your response will be a strong one and that you will. Well, it it has. I mean, that's a, that's a great way to point it out. I've actually, all three of my daughters have had experiences and I've, they've, we've walked through it and they, there have, the perpetrators have suffered consequences. (laughs) Let's put it that way. You know, my, my youngest daughter had a horrible experience at working in a restaurant, a waiter, she was a hostess and a waiter was saying horrible, horrible things. And she's the, and he was saying it to everybody. She's the only one that stepped up and he was fired almost immediately. So there needs to be consequences. And obviously, I mean, we don't want people to lose jobs, but this guy, it had been going on for years with other employees and no one said anything. And the, the owner of the restaurant had no idea. Right. And that's, that's really a key point that you're bringing up there is that anybody who is a kind of, if they're a harasser, they didn't just do it once and they didn't just do it to you. This is going to be a repeated behavior. So there are other victims and there are other victims from the past and there are potentially going to be other victims in the future if people don't speak up. So you think it wasn't that big of a deal to me. I can handle that. I'm just going to let it, you know, wash, you know, right off my back. No big deal. But when you start to think about your community, your community of women, your community of coworkers, do you want them to have to do that? Or do they all have that same? Right. Right. So no, that's where you can really... I think it's very easy when I'm talking to to mothers, of especially of daughters. Yes. There's no way, there's no way that my daughters should have to put up with this. And so, how do we change that culture so that when they do get old enough that they're in the workplace, this is not happening anymore? It's women speaking up. You know, that's that's really important because I've used that on men. I mean, when they've dismissed things, I've said, "Do you have a daughter? Would you right. be all right with them?" You know, and I have never said to myself, "Hey." You've got daughters that are carrying on and that are all work in business and they need to be empowered like you have felt empowered, but in a different way to not tolerate it. Right. To not, not just excuse it and say, that's just the way it is, but to no longer tolerate it. So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'm going to share a personal experience that happened to me last year. And we're going to talk about how it relates to sexual harassment. So we'll be right back after this quick break. HR Latte is brought to you by Dovetail Software, a SaaS-based HR case management and help desk solution to ease today's HR departments into tomorrow. Simple but powerful real-time employee engagement, knowledge management, and detailed analytics empower human resource departments and shared services teams to effectively handle any type of employee interaction. Dovetail Software, by HR, for HR. And we are back. Thanks, everybody, for staying tuned in. My guest today is Lauren Rizal. Lauren is the head of CEO, I believe, president at esteemcommunication.com. If you want to learn more about the work that they do there, please tune in there. Lauren, thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate your insight, your expertise, your thoughts on this topic. I have a feeling that you and I are going to have to reconnect again, even after this series is complete and and talk a little bit more. Hopefully, maybe a year from now, look at what kind of progress we've seen, if any. Let's hope there is has been some. 
That would be wonderful. It would. It would be wonderful. Maybe we can track some stats and come back with them with a really power power punch to, in particular, to the tech industry. It's where I work and and where I have a great love and affinity for the industry. And you know, I I can say now I haven't experienced any of this because I work from home. But I know that folks still. I mean, I am is a powerful tool. Email is a powerful tool where this type of um, harassment is still takes place. And I know that women and men are experiencing it. So I want to talk about something that happened to me a little over a year ago. I was on a business trip. Um, I've written about this. I'll post the link to my writings about this incident in the bio section of this, this show here in this series. I was on a business trip and going to participate, set up, and prepare for a conference that um, a couple of colleagues and I were were going to be working at in Dallas, Texas. I live in Southern California. And so I I flew into Texas. I have a, a good friend that we've kept in close contact in social media. And so we had an opportunity to, to meet up prior to the conference starting. And she picked me up at the airport and took me to her favorite restaurant in, um, I think it's the Turtle Creek area of Dallas. And sat down for a great meal. We were having a great time, very casual conversation, Mexican food place. Uh, you know, we ordered a couple of skinny margaritas and not long after we sat down, a, a couple of shots were sent to our table from the bartender saying, you ladies look like you're having a great time. Just wanted to offer you a drink. I am a woman who travels a lot for my work and um, also for pleasure. I travel alone a lot. And so I have come to rely on the service providers, folks at restaurants, hotels, transportation to keep me safe and healthy. And I didn't think twice about taking this shot. Now, my friend who was with me was driving and said, no, she took a sip and didn't take it. I downed the shot and within 10 minutes knew that something was wrong. I had been directed by the same individual. Hey, like with a, a scram, you know, a head jerk and a scram. I thought he was flirting with my my friend and colleague that was having dinner with me. And I thought, oh, he wants to be alone with her. And, you know, and so I I took off and went to the bathroom. And while I was in there, he entered the bathroom. And I, my panic mode set in. I was in the stall and I could look between the cracks and see his shoes and he was stopped there. And my head said, you are in danger. You are in danger right now. Get back to the table, tell your friend and get out of this place immediately. So I continued to conduct my bathroom business, hoping that that would scare him off. And it did. He left the bathroom and I thought, okay, I'm safe. But as soon as I exited the bathroom, he tried to pull me into the men's room. And, you know, I, I swirled my arm around and put my hand over his face with my, my fingers wide open in a stop motion. I looked at him through my fingers and said, no, I'm leaving. And I um, immediately turned back, went to the table, told my friend, we need to leave now. We need to leave now. He just tried to pull me into the men's room. Um, I had already paid the bill. So this gentleman had my credit card number. Um, I'd, I'd signed it already before any of this last part transpired. Picked up my friend. We exited. By the time I got in her car, I don't remember anything after that. Everything is a black hole. I got back to, I got to my hotel room. I checked in. I uh, went to my room by myself, put my uh, stuff away, set up my computer, locked my hotel room door from the inside like I always do as is my habit of traveling alone. And I don't remember any of that. When I woke in the middle of the night, violently ill, I looked around the room and wondered how I got there. I did not remember my room number. I didn't remember anything. 
Luckily, my girlfriend had walked me into the hotel room. She thought I was just a, a little tipsy. My eyes were glazed over. She did not consider for a moment that I had been drugged. And I know for a fact that I had been because this girl can handle a couple margaritas and a shot. <laughs> Trust me. So it was a horrible and scary experience. Uh, and when I shared this with you, Lauren, we talked about how this might relate to what goes on in the workplace, sexual harassment, what men feel like individuals, I'm going to say individuals because women have been known to do this. Because when I wrote about this, I had many men send messages to me saying, you'd be surprised, but it happened to me also. So what can we say about this? First of all, I can say that this was a workplace. This was a restaurant where several people worked, where women worked, where many men worked. And it was not the first time this happened. This, I can tell you for a fact that this was not the first time I the way it all went down was very smooth. As a matter of fact, there was an individual that escorted me to the bathroom knowing what was going to transpire. It was the individual that escorted me or showed me the way was not the individual who brought the shot to the table. Um, right. So, you know, I'm dumbfounded by this. I'm also was dumbfounded by the response that I received because hundreds of people reached out to me saying that it ha had happened to them and they'd never told a soul. And there were also many individuals that said horrible things to me like, well, you know, you shouldn't travel alone. Oh, was your cleavage showing? Were you flirting? This is why you shouldn't drink, right? All of these statements that came back to me, I was just dumbfounded. Like you're, you're placing blame on the victim, which is why victims don't come forward and say anything. I mean, thank God I wasn't raped. Thank God that I, you know, maintained my composure and sensed danger, which probably kept me awake and in tune for as long as I needed to be. And maybe the relief as soon as I sat in the car allowed the drug to kick in and, and overwhelm me. But I often think if he had waited two or three minutes longer. Right. His timing to your benefit was off. Right. right. And the other part of that that's so important is that you had a friend there who was not affected by a drug because she did not drink the drink. Right. And so those two things together were made it a relatively fortunate situation for you. And I just want to say, and I know this goes without saying, but I am so sorry that that happened to you and that that happens to so many people and that it's absolutely never the fault of the person who drank a drink, drank, drank a drink, right? drank a drink. Yeah, I know. I, I know. And I'm, I was dumbfounded by those responses because but people will do that because they don't want to deal with the reality that this is happening. Sometimes men, they don't want to think, oh my God, there are other men that are that are this horrible of a person right. to do this. So they're looking for some other reason to justify or to, you know, it, it, it gets a little crazy and we are not going to get into the whole psychology of that. But the bottom line is you're right. People don't come forward because they are afraid of those kind of comments. But the more people who come forward, the less likely there is to be this concern that it's the victim's fault because now everybody's talking about it. And this is not an isolated situation, right? It's not about what you said or did or who you were with or what you drank or whether you were traveling alone or not. Theoretically, in that moment, you were not alone. You were with someone else. Right. Right. And they just separated you. Right. And it's a, it's a, a very scary thing. I wish I could say that's the only time it's happened to me, but I can mm -hmm. cite two other times at work events, again, with trusted people. Right. And I know if you ask anybody on the street, probably half, you know, 
five out of 10 people you ask are going to tell you, yes, it happened to me because that's what I've experienced since I wrote about it. Since I said, I am not going to be quiet about this. This is not right. You know, and, and the, you know, the times that it happened to me in the past, I, I did blame myself. I wasn't vigilant enough. And I've heard from multiple people that had their water tampered with, that had their Coke, Coca-Cola tampered with, that were traveling with a girl's sports team, you know, and they were just having tacos and Cokes at a, you know, little area and, and somebody stopped and, and did this to them. right? Right. So I'm, I don't think it's something that, that, is easily dismissed anymore. I don't think that it's something that the average person now can say, I've never met anybody that this has hap- happened to. You know, I think, I think most of us know someone that this has happened to. And if you well, don't know, it's because you haven't asked. Exactly. All of us know someone. It's just a matter of whether they've told us or not, if they disclosed it. But like I said, I mean, one of my best friends said to me after I wrote this and said, I've never told anyone, mm-hmm. but it, it happened to me and I was raped. You know, so I am vigilant about this now for sure about my own safety, but that in turn gives me, lays a heavy responsibility on me to be loud about it, to be outspoken about it, to talk about it, to write about it, to make sure that women and men who have this experience know that it is not their fault, that they are the victim, that they are not stupid, that they were not in a place where they... They deserved it. You know, no one deserves this. And I think that the more that we talk about sexual harassment, the more that we identify women and men who have had experiences that are unacceptable, whether it's being drugged or being kept from a promotion because they didn't sleep with their boss, Mm -hmm. whether it's uh, an an opportunity with a colleague who then turned around and badmouthed them when you maybe thought it was an innocent flirtation. I mean, that's a whole nother side of it where in-office romance can go wrong, which is, I think, what started a couple of experiences at that I read about at Twitter. Maybe yeah. even the the Bill Cosby situation started off as a, a consensual thing and then turned went wrong. Some of his situations, I don't know the full details about that. So I'm hesitant to cite more other than there are many women that came forward and said, yes, it happened to me. There's a reason something like that goes to trial. And it's because there's evidence. Right. It's, right. And, and when you're talking about evidence in these cases, the, the tricky part is you've been drugged, so you're not thinking clearly. So when you wake up the next morning, your first thought is not, oh, I need to go to the hospital or no. the police department and get a urine sample taken. Right. But that is what has to happen in order to prove that you were drugged. And that was that was part of my issue. I went to the police and the first thing the sergeant said to me was, well, you weren't raped, were you? Um, right. And I said back, you would say that to your wife or your daughter. That's how you would respond. If your daughter came to you and said, I was drugged. Hey, dad, I was drugged. Your first response would be, well, you weren't raped. And and he tipped his head. The female officer standing next to him said, I think we should take the report. <laughs> you know, And I nodded my head. I said, yeah, I think I think you should take the report. And the next words out of the sergeant's mouth was, we can't prove it. You have to go get tested. And I said, I'm on my way right now. Unfortunately, certain drugs that are used for this, it depends on the drugs, are not traceable in your system after six to eight hours, right? right. So this had been, because I was there on a work assignment, This it had been, you know, over 24 hours. Also, I had been, I was very ill. So my advice to anybody is if you suspect, go straight to the hospital. 
If you're with somebody that you suspect was drugged, take them straight to the hospital. Do not pass go. Do not mess around. Do not think about it. Do not question about it. Go straight to the hospital and be tested, whether it's a blood test, a urine test, or in my case, it was past the time for both of those. You can do a hair follicle test 30 Mm -hmm. days later after the incident, and some drugs may be picked up in a hair follicle test. But even that can become inconclusive. This is a victimless crime in that the victim cannot prove anything. The victim cannot, you know, it's all a trust thing. It's whether or not a police officer or somebody trusts you enough, your family member, friend trusts you enough to say, okay, you're telling the truth. Okay, I see that this happened to you. And then take you to try and gather the ins- the evidence. What we have seen and what I've read and seen in the now is that there are more cameras in restaurants. There are more security video cameras in, in pl- public places where it can be documented on film as opposed to uh, just trusting someone. So Yes, that, and that's really important that they go back and, and review that and actually do the due diligence to, to find that information. But they can't do that unless you've reported it. And if you report, your example of the bartender, here's someone who's doing this in his workplace, right? Right. As in his job, related to his job. If you come forward and they take that, take that report, even if they couldn't prove it with you because it had been too long and, you know, you couldn't do the sample. If if you're not the only one who comes forward saying this guy did this, now they're starting to get more evidence just based on numbers. Yeah. Because he's not just going to do it once. And like well, you said, I, I even contacted the hotel or the restaurant owner through Facebook. He said, I heard about that. He was just making sure you were safe. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, no. And if you have security cameras, I urge you to check them. Please check them because I am not the only one he's done this to. Right. And last I heard he had been let go, but up until six or seven months after the incident, he was still there. He but was he, still there serving, probably still drugging someone because he got yeah. away with it. Right. People continue to do it because they get away with it. That's right. And if we stay silent, that gives them that the permission they have to keep moving, keep doing it. But you don't know why he was let go six or seven months I later. But it might possibly be because another woman came forward right. with evidence. That's right. I'd like to believe that's the. the I'd thing. like to believe that also, and that that my report had something to do with it. Right. That I actually, because I spoke up, you know, maybe, maybe this guy's activities have been squashed or maybe he's gotten caught. You know, I, I can only hope and pray that there, that nobody else suffers something that I went through because to this day, six, you know, 14 months later, 15 months later, I still have residual effects from it, whether it's an emotional effect or it's an actual effect from the drug. I mean, I suffered physical response to the drugging for months afterward, like, uh, um, nausea, disorientation, dizziness, you know, really serious physical responses. Wow. Uh, and those types of drugs mixed with alcohol are lethal. Okay. And it's just luck that more women don't die, more women and men don't die mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of this. Um, the, the dosage, it depends on the dosage and it will, it will kill you. It will kill you. And because it's not traceable in your system, are we going to cite it as alcohol poisoning or, you know, it's, it's a very serious crime out there that is very difficult to track, to stop. And, and that's why people also don't come forward because they think, what, I can't prove anything. I can't I don't, prove anything, right. But you still have to report it. You still have to say, this is who gave me my drink or this is where I did. I, I did. <laughs> and, and you did that. You're, Everyone you're, should. 
you're a great role model for others, but that's, that's what more people have to do. Now, Rohypnol is one of the drugs that um, yes. is in this way. Also and a roofie. Man- it's also known as a roofie. So. Yes. The, the manufacturer did change the pill to make it into this like oblong green tablet with speckled blue in the core. And then when you put it into a drink, the, the, the pill will dye the drink blue. Ah. Now that's just that's the official manufacturer. Exactly. Of, of so if you have a generic version, it's not going to do that. Right. But they are they are starting to recognize how frequently this is being misused, and they're they're they you know they, that's good that they're kind of trying to make that right. So rohypnol um, can will stay in your system for up to twenty four hours. Um, yeah, mostly, but almost all of it's out in twelve. Right. So the other one that I I suspect was me was I was drugged with is GHB and it wow. is can be manufactured in a bathroom in someone's home. Yes, yes. So and this is the most dangerous of them, and I suspect it's, it's why I was so violently yeah. ill after, after. Sure, it's tasteless. It's odorless. It can be in a powder or liquid form. It's colorless when it's dissolved in a drink. When you mix it with alcohol, it makes all the effects worse. Yeah which of course is what you experienced. Right. And it can take effect in 15 to 30 minutes. Yep. It was definitely that amount of time because, you know, by the time that when the shot came, we were still eating, dinner was wrapping up. I paid the bill and that, and we were just sitting, you know, ha- finishing and talking. Right. And he walked up to the table and did the scram thing, you know? Right. <laughs> so I want to make sure that we have time to talk about what we can do to stay safer and prevent this from happening. Why don't we hold that for the next episode? In our next episode, as we cover harassment and assault prevention, Lauren and I are going to talk, going to talk about solutions and prevention and how we can make our workplaces safer, more comfortable environments, and how you yourself as an individual out in the world dependent upon service providers like a bartender, a taxi driver, an Uber driver, right. um, you know, a hotel, hotel management can feel safe and watch for warning signs. And um, so we will be covering those when we come back in episode three of harassment and assault prevention. Uh, Lauren, any last words before we sign off on this episode? Yes. Well, I want to make sure your listeners know that I have a special discount that I'm offering to them. They go to esteemcommunication.org slash podcast. They can get a discount on any of the trainings that we've talked about, sexual harassment training, assertiveness training, self-defense training, all of that. Perfect. And with that, we're going to wrap episode two, harassment and assault prevention. Lauren, thanks again so much. We really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and helping us talk about this very difficult issue and and helping listeners know that, look, you have a voice and guess what? Together, our voices can be really loud. Yes. And thank you for giving me this forum to get that message out. Absolutely. Thanks all. Please tune in next time to HR Latte.